listening to the Davenport Junior Theater Podcast. Welcome to the Davenport Junior Theater Podcast, the podcast where we explore the past, understand the present, and dream of the future. My name is Courtney Cook, and I am your host. On today's podcast, we have Allison Niamella. Hi, Allison. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to meet with us. But if you're ready, we can jump right into it. Can you start by telling us a little about yourself? Absolutely. I am a spunky individual who loves grilled cheese sandwiches with ketchup. No, I'm sure that's not exactly what you're looking for. But um, so I grew up in Davenport, Iowa, and um, I'm the daughter of a judge and a school teacher. So the government uh, is a part of my DNA <laughs> and, um, you know, went through the public schools and uh, discovered junior theater when I was in third grade. Um, but throughout growing up in Davenport, um, I was, you know, active and I was eclectic because I was active in sports and theater. So I'd always get, um, the theater folks that would say, you know, Hey, how come you're hanging out with those jacks? And I'd get like, you know, the jack saying, how come you're hanging out with the thespians? I'm like, no, no, come on. Can't I'd say, can't you all get along? You know, let's just all coexist. You know, let's just all make this work. So I kind of felt like a catalyst for between the athletes and the, the thespians uh, to really get together and, you know, coexist in different environments. So, um, so I've always kind of considered myself the conduit for people, you know, growing up and, and then I went off to college at Concordia University. I was a double major. So I was communications and marketing uh, and a BS in sociology. And then from there, I, when I uh, was doing my internship, my senior year college, I actually landed an internship at the Jerry Springer show, which uh, for those of you that may know, it's, uh, it was kind of a smutty talk show at the time. And um, it was back then, definitely. And, uh, and then I was the only full-time intern and then uh, was hired on after my internship to finish the television season. And then catapulted back into parks and recreation after working at the Jerry Springer show, I realized that um, I didn't want to promote smut for a living. <laughs> I wanted to promote uh, quality of life. And that's really what parks and recreation is all about. That's what brings me here today talking to you, Courtney. Absolutely. And so, yes, parks and rec is still what you're doing today. Can you tell us about more what you do exactly in that? Sure. So my background is actually marketing. So I started at the Addison, Illinois Park District uh, as the marketing and communications supervisor. So I was responsible for the publications that are mailed out to the residents, uh, social media, uh, you name it, the website. So I was the webmaster. I was the spokesperson for the district. And then in the year 2000, I joined the Batavia, Illinois uh, Park District or Batavia Park District, as we call it. And uh, for 12 and a half years, um, I earned my keep as the director of marketing and public relations. So um, again, the webmaster, the spokesperson for the district, um, creating marketing plans and strategies. Uh, we have 40 parks in Batavia. We have multiple facilities. We own a museum. We own a quarry beach. Uh, we own rental facilities. We offer over a thousand programs and recreation a year, um, everything from ice skating to lacrosse, you name it. 
I tell people I've got the best job description in the world. I promote fun for a living. And so in 2012, uh, my park board, who's uh, comprised of five publicly elected officials, uh, promoted me to the executive director role. And so I was actually one of the first marketing professionals that came from the parks and recreation field to become an executive director in Illinois. Um, so I was really excited to kind of break that glass ceiling um, and kind of pave the way for, for future marketers um, to become an executive director of a park and recreation agency. So for the last uh, 10 and a half years, um, I've been responsible for all of the leadership team, the different departments, the recreation department, finance, human resources, parks, facilities, um, for a community of 30,000. There's nothing better than promoting fun for a living. Our job is to enrich the quality of life for people. Our tagline is your fun is our business. But what better, how, how much better does it get than that? That's a, that, that, that is a great saying and a great slogan. It just really does capture what you're doing. Uh, and I was going to say, it's so fun. Um, to hear you saying that you like your marketing and stuff it, um, because we're going to touch on this a bit later, but uh, for the 70th anniversary that Davenport Junior Theater had, you had written a speech and I was reading that and um, it's a little bit different, but you were saying when you were young, before you started junior theater, like one of the things you would do um, kind of to occupy yourself was making books and going around your neighborhood selling them. And it's like, yeah, you started that marketing salesperson thing at a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the entrepreneurial spirit, right? <laughs> I, had a, I had a lonely childhood. I wasn't surrounded by any kids my age. So, you know, when you're little, you know, when you're five, six, seven, eight years old and you don't have any kids in your neighborhood, you know, your imagination and your creativity are what you lean into. And so, yeah, it was um, funny. I used to take a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, fold it in half, create a title on the front page and do all sorts of crazy zany doodles in the middle of the book and, you know, write 12 sentences and then put a price on it and put five cents on it. And then I go door to door selling, peddling my little books. And my mom and dad didn't realize I was doing that. Um, you know, they just thought I was outside playing in the woods. And then one day they got a call from the Bishop of Davenport because he lived in our neighborhood. And the Bishop of Davenport said, you know, uh, we've got your daughter uh, here at our place and we were hoping you could come pick her up. So my mom was mortified. She was really embarrassed and came over and apologized profusely and, and said, gosh, you know, we, we didn't realize she was going door to door selling these books. And, um, and the Bishop got such a kick out of it and said, no, no, that's no problem. We just wanted you to know that, you know, we really can't buy any books from her, but we wanted to give her some cookies and wanted your permission to give her cookies because we, we, we felt bad for her. <laughs> so, um, but regardless, you know, that kind of lends itself to uh, junior theater because had it not been for um, our neighborhood and not having kids my age, my mom might not have spoken to my uncle to say, look, you know, do you know of any outlets or any any places outside of school that might be good for Allison to belong to and be a part of. Um, and that's kind of what third grade I entered, entered junior theater. Yeah. And the nice thing is when you did, um, it seems like you were kind of in love and you found um, yourself doing a lot of different things while you're here. You're a student, you're a main stage, you performed on the show wagon and you were on the junior staff. 
Um, but let's start with you being a student. What was it like when you were a Davenport Junior Theater like when you were a kid? Oh, gosh. Um, you know what? It was after school program, just like it is today. And it was something that I looked forward to. As soon as I stepped foot in school, I just couldn't wait for it to be over so I could, you know, rehearse my lines or hang out with uh, whatever cast I was a part of. Because I, I quickly realized that whatever play was taking place, that that cast became my family. And I'm adopted. So for me, I'm not bio- biologically related to anyone I know. So to me, the, the whole world is my family. So, you know, some people are like the crazy, uh, you know, cousin Eddie's, you know, like from National <laughs> Lampoon Vacation. But, you know, the whole world has been my family ever since, you know, I can remember. And so whenever I was cast in a play or even just in the classroom taking acting lessons for children's plays, you know, I really bonded with the people um, and really felt like I was a part of something magical, something way bigger than I am, you know, way bigger, uh, bigger picture, something that I could be proud of and something I could kind of lose myself in. Well, that's really awesome. And by the time I hit fifth grade, I had made it to the main stage shows mm-hmm. and that was considered big time. You know, back then you were considered a cool kid if you made it to the big stage before you hit middle school. So that was like my goal in life was at that time was to, you know, make it to the main stage. And then, you know, I always admired the older kids who had made it to the big league and, you know, I longed to be like them. Yeah. And it's really nice because we still have the main stage, um, but you also performed on the show wagon and sadly we don't have that out and about, uh, currently I think it'd be really cool if they could bring that back in the future but can you tell us about your experience working on that absolutely um you know the show wagon experience was incredible because we got to tour different parks each day for a week so you know for an entire week we got to experience parks that we had never been exposed to or maybe we're just outside of our, the driving range of our parents. (laughs) And, um, you know, and it drew crowds, you know, uh, kids from the different neighborhoods that maybe wouldn't go inside the actual uh, theater for the main stage shows. Uh, Or maybe they couldn't afford tickets at the time, or maybe it was just inconvenient for them to come on a Saturday morning. It was great because we drew crowds. It was free plays, um, you know, and it was always kind of organized chaos you know, there was, there were, you know, there's a props master on hand with duct tape to fix and repair things at the drop of a dime. Uh, the costume coordinator uh, always, you know, had uh, the tights that you'd have to put on um, behind the curtain, uh, you know, and, you know, duct tape was always on hand for people. And it was just quite an experience. Um, it was an adrenaline rush that I realized I needed in my life. I'm like, wow, this is incredible like magic that comes together in the moment. And so I realized that controlled chaos was something that I could live with and it's something that I could um, contribute to. That's so cool. And I, I think it must be such a different experience getting to do, obviously the show wagon uh, functioned as a stage, but you're still doing a show outside kind of out in the world. And while that isn't necessarily an uncommon thing, there's still plenty of people that haven't had that experience. I haven't had that experience, um, although it's been a thing that I've seen. 
And like I said, we don't have the show wagon here, but some of our kids got to experience that. In um, I think it was back in 2020 during COVID, uh, they ended up putting on Robin Hood outside as um, just safety precautions, but being able to still act and do that. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. I'm grateful that it was brought back during the pandemic. Yeah. But just like that experience of being able to do it outside and you have, you know, like you said, it's a bit, um, for other reasons, it's kind of controlled chaos, but being outside is such a different experience than being in the theater where everything's controlled outside. You have so many things, other things you worry about the wind, you worry about possible animals and Oh yeah. I remember. (laughs) Exactly. I remember performances where there were bees um, (laughs) floating around our heads and we were told not to break character. And when you've got bees, you know, buzzing around your face and you're trying not to break character, you almost feel like you're in a Saturday night live skit, (laughs) you know? And, um, and I also think, you know, being out in the show wagon out in the parks was pretty incredible because you're actually bringing parks and recreation together, you know, it's, it's, um, but also the fact that it teaches you improvisation. I think improvisation is a skill that I think is necessary um, in life. I think everybody should have to take improvisation classes at some point, um, no matter what age they are, because I think it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you fresh. Everyone gets put in situations in their life that maybe they don't have uh, the coping skills developed yet to deal with, or they aren't quite sure how to handle certain situations because it's a new situation they've never faced before. And I think improvisation really um, teaches you that you need to be in the moment and to really deal with the real things happening in the moment and move forward and figure it out um, in real time. And I think that Uh, being on the show wagon was definitely my intro to improvisation. Absolutely. And I, I think improv is so important. Um, Two sessions ago, I was lucky enough to be able to assist teach some classes in improv. Oh, that's great. And it it was such an eye-opening experience for me because when I started to do theater more and get trained in theater, improv was my least favorite thing because for me, it ended up feeling like public speaking, which is something I was awful at. And I realized it's because I was just never like properly trained even how to do public speaking correctly. And it's actually funny. um, About two years ago, I started playing uh, D&D. And that's basically just a whole improv game. And that has helped me improve my improv skills, but also my public speaking skills, just having Mm -hmm. to come up with things and be ready to say things. So I think it's, you mastered it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, it's definitely something that I think it's a good skill to learn from a young age. And there's so many ways to do it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But uh, stepping off the stage and kind of going back uh, behind the curtain, another thing you did was you were uh, a young staffer at Davenport Junior Theater. uh, And what did that entail? Yeah, absolutely. When I was 14 years old, I was old enough to get a permit from the state of Iowa to work. My mom and dad wanted to instill a work ethic in me early on. I was approached by Bonnie Gunther and asked if I'd be interested in working costumes for Junie Theater. And she said that uh, 
you know, that Liz Carson, who at the time was the custom coordinator, uh, was ready to graduate high school that year. She said, you know, we're going to be, we're going to need Liz to train you in costumes, but would you like to do it? And without any hesitation, I said, yes. But Bonnie said, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Do you need to go home and talk to your parents first? You know, like, um, you know, if you want me to talk to your parents, I can, but I was so excited um, to be offered that opportunity that, you know, I, I said yes, without even really knowing what I was getting myself into. Um, I was just really giddy and excited and passionate. And, and I thought, oh, this is going to be wonderful. Then I'll have a work family. And, you know, I had my junior theater casts as family, but then I thought, oh, never had a professional family before, you know? And so sure enough, I had support from home and then lo and behold, I ended up getting trained in costumes, uh, Carrie Nablo, um, and I were both trained at the same time. And then unfortunately, um, Carrie wasn't able to, to finish out the training. So then I was just, I was going solo being trained by Liz. And when she graduated high school, it was, me taking it on. And, um, it was just a really great experience because it taught me a lot about responsibility, about planning organization, and then communication with the parents. Um, you know, I had my experiences learning that some boys absolutely hate tights if they're cast as Peter Pan. And then some boys actually really like tights. So, you know, it was early on that I, um, had a chance to learn what a stage mom was, (laughs) (laughs) And, but I also got to, um, really interact a lot with all of the actors and actresses from the plays because being the only one in high, when I reached high school, being the only one in charge of costumes, um, really gave me the opportunity to get to know people at a different level because there were times where I'd have to measure people for costumes. If their costumes, uh, tore, I'd have to repair them. Um, and so it really gave me an opportunity to socialize with everyone one-on-one, get to know them better, but then also take pride in the work being done. Yeah. So like Bonnie, when you were, uh, when you did turn 14 and you were able to get that work permit, Bonnie was the one who, um, came to you and offered you a job. And uh, that kind of started uh, kind of a special relationship that you had with her. Can you speak on that a bit more? Sure. So Bonnie really was a second mom to me. Um, So much so that I actually nicknamed her Mother Hen. So Bonnie had a maternal warmth about her. Um, You know, I just never wanted to disappoint her. You know, I always wanted to make sure that um, whatever I was doing, that she could be proud of. Um, you know, she was my first boss and so I'll forever be thankful, um, to her for that. And, um, she gave me an opportunity to really develop my skill sets. And, um, more importantly, I think Bonnie wasn't just a boss. She was also my friend. And I think she taught me that crisis management when I didn't know how to handle a parent, or maybe there was a situation that, um, I wasn't sure, um, how to get myself out of, you know, she would intervene and she would kind of model by example or lead by example. Um, and, you know, one day I approached her and asked her if I could teach clown camp, you know, and she said, well, what exactly is clown camp? (laughs) And I said, well, I'm like, you know, I've been Showtime pal for years now and, I know we have our, we had our drama day camp in the summertime 
And I said, you know, I would absolutely love the opportunity to teach the campers how to put on the, the clown makeup, um, how to, you know, the songs that go with Showtime Pal, um, the the nonverbal, so kind of like the, mm-hmm. you know, just the, the miming and the body movement, body language. Exactly. And you can say so much more with, with, with just body language alone that sometimes words can mix up <laughs> that, um, you know, I just said, trust me, I, I, I can fill a full week. So she piloted a clown camp program and, um, it was really successful and she took a chance on me and let me run with it. And so I was forever grateful for her for that. And so then what she did was she actually incorporated components of the clown camp into the drama day camp so that, um, you know, people could have a full experience. Not, not only were they learning improvisation or learning, um, you know, how to be an actor or actress in a children's theater play, but then they were also learning a little bit about Showtime Pal. And, and then she would actually have those kids that were a part of the camp um, open up as Showtime Pal throughout the entire summer. So they had a chance to try it on for size. Wow. People that play Showtime Pal. Have you ever played Showtime Pal? I have not since I didn't grow up in this area. Oh, they should still let you just give it a shot. <laughs> I know. Well, if you go to the museum, you can stand in front of the mirror and put on the ruffles and stuff. <laughs> That's right. And I feel like having played Showtime Pal for seven summers that oh, wow. I started to kind of assume the Showtime Pal persona, like the outlook on life, you know, that you can kind of overcome anything with a the positive attitude, but kind of that Showtime Pal, go get them attitude. The Showtime Pal can do attitude. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So I was really appreciative for that. And then when I was a senior in high school, um, I was able to direct my first uh, children's theater play. They took a chance on me and let me, let me do that. And then I fell in love with it. That's amazing. But yeah, and like we kind of touched on before, you um, came back for the 70th anniversary and gave a speech. Kind of, um, it kind of detailed what we've been talking about today. Uh, but how was that speaking um, with Bonnie in the crowd? Gosh, I had such an emotional knot in my throat because Bonnie means so much to me. Oh gosh, I'm getting the knot again. Oh, no. <laughs> um. You know, it was incredibly special. And oh my gosh, you can almost hear the emotion in my my voice here. Um, but you know, she took a chance on a 14-year-old and gave me an opportunity to she believed in me, gave me an opportunity to to prove myself. So and I just wanted to make her proud and I felt like I did. Oh my goodness. I have to pull myself together. (laughs) Oh, wow. No, that's really great. It's, it must be such a special experience to have someone like, especially in that point in your life, just like to pick out and be like a great role model and become such a special person to you. And years later. absolutely. Well, and ironically, you know, now in my current role as an executive director for a park district down in Illinois, I'm in charge of the Bonnie's. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really neat that, 
she inspired me and it led me to something that I was going to do for the rest of my life. So it led me to the career that I'm so passionate about that I love. Absolutely. And speaking of that uh, career that you're so passionate about, you obviously have tons of wealth, um, a wealth of experience in the parks and rec now. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, Davenport Junior Theater is under the Parks and Rec- uh, Rec- Recreation Department of Davenport. Um, have you seen any other programs like Davenport Junior Theater? Davenport Junior Theater is extremely special and unique. And I have not witnessed anything in Illinois that parallels Davenport Junior Theater. Um, I think there are a lot of reasons why. I think just the the unique location of uh, having the orphanages right next to the actual theater and then each of the the orphanages, former orphanages that are Mm -hmm. cottages um, really lend itself to being um, unique and special. Um, But I also think that just the way in which the program is run, I think Dan Sheridan and the Devonport Junior Theater Board with Chris Meyer-Smith really have a vision and have been moving mountains with this vision of uh, really like offering the the free main stage shows. So that way um, people of any economic status can go enjoy a show. I think that, you know, they've really um, pumped up the dance component. Mm-hmm. Dance was just starting when I was there. I left when I was in, uh, let's see, it was 1992 when I um, kind of graduated from junior theater and graduated from high school. Um, and I, I just, I really love what they've done and, and the variety of programming, um, the attendance, the enrollment is through the roof. I'm just really proud of what they've done. And, um, in Illinois, we are different because we have a large number of park districts mm-hmm. and I work for a park district, which is different than Devonport Park and Recreation Department. So we're not a department of the city. We're actually our own separate governing body. Okay. So we're, we are the equivalent of like a school district or a library district or a park district. So we, um, you know, we operate, we levy for taxes. Um, and so we operate a lot differently than, um, you know, our budget's uh, 11 million. So we actually, um, and that's to take care for the parks, that's to care for provide the recreational programming. So, um, so it is a little bit different. So we have a, it's just spread out throughout the entire community. Whereas I think um, junior theater in this case is really has a spotlight on it and it's a big focus of Devonport. And, um, and I really hope it continues to for years to come. Absolutely. What advice do you have for uh, Davenport junior theater students today? Soak up every minute. <laughs> Savor the time that you're with junior theater. Um, you know, it, but you know, when you're my age, you're still going to be talking about your glory days and junior mm-hmm. theater is going to be a part of them. So I really encourage people to um, maximize the most of their time uh, at junior theater and get involved, you know, um, raise your hand, volunteer to help the props master or the costume coordinator, um, you know, be that person that um, w- when the classroom teacher says, 
you know, does anybody want to help me uh, stay after school, after class and help me um, stage something or help me, um, you know, make copies of a script, like get to know the process behind um, the plays, get to, you know, be a stage hand. Um, it's so rewarding and there's so much you can learn from it that will take you throughout the rest of your life. Yeah. And I just, I love the program here at Davenport Junior Theater. I've mentioned this in a couple different episodes, but I, I didn't grow up in the program. I grew up in a, a different theater program, but it was just such a smaller scale. Um, it was mostly just shows like we didn't have any classes or anything, which is what I like am in love with, with this program, Mm -hmm. but it's just so exciting and amazing to see kids find their passion here, whether it's in acting or design or dance, um, and then just find people that they really click with and that they could be friends with for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. I still keep in touch with quite a few people from my, my era, my decade. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, we keep in touch through social media. And, uh, so when I posted about the anniversary last year, I had a lot of people contact me and say, gosh, I wish I could be there, you know, like tell everybody I said, hi. And, um, so it was great to, to reconnect with people. And I hope that, you know, in another four years now, uh, for the 75th, that, um, that we can get even more people to come out for the reunion. Absolutely. And now we've kind of been talking about it this whole time, but is there anything else you'd like to add about why programs like Davenport Junior Theater are so important and why they should be supported? Absolutely. Um, I credit Junior Theater for giving me the confidence to do public speaking in my current role. And also, you know, I landed for five years, landed a part-time position. So I'd work by the office by day. And then at night I worked with the Chicago Bulls as a Chicago Bulls incredible, not a lovable, lovables are the cheerleaders. <laughs> I was an incredible. We actually ran the contest on the court. Okay, so we, yeah. we would sling shoot the t-shirts into the crowds. Um, we would run all the contests. Anytime there was a timeout, uh, we'd be on the court running the contest. We'd, we would actually kind of cast, per se, um, the people in the stadium uh, and train them on the props ahead of time before the game started and say, okay, like, and it was pretty much like a big play. So it was like, okay, you're going to be Courtney. I need you for second quarter, first timeout. And at the end of first quarter, I'm going to run up to your seat and I'm going to grab you. And we're going to go down to the Jordan tunnel, the Michael Jordan tunnel. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to have to have you sign a waiver. And then we're going to get you on the stage. And the stage was the basketball court. And, you know, you're going to sing for your supper. And McDonald's <laughs> is going to sponsor it. And you're going to be up against one other con- contestant and whoever the crowd cheers for the loudest wins McDonald's for the entire row. I mean, we would run contests like that, the AT&T million dollar half court shot. Mm-hmm. And it was such an honor that like, as a Chicago Bulls incredible, I would get to pick the people uh, to be in the contest. So, yeah, I just had to make sure they were wearing tennis shoes and that we had mixed demographics. Um, but it was pretty cool kind of being a, a casting agent. And I'm like, whew, this is back in my junior theater days. 
Um, but also, you know, it took a lot of courage to get down there. I had to audition every year to earn my keep on the Chicago Bulls incredible squad. There were only seven of us and four of us at each game. Um, and, you know, being a female on the team, you know, was a really cool experience. Um, by my third year on the team, I was the team captain. So I get to make the scheduling, um, the director of game operations, um, Jeff Walschlager and Deborah Wells, uh, Deborah Wells, none, they were amazing. They absolutely, um, you know, gave us the tools we needed to succeed and we were able to make a difference in people's lives. I mean, can you imagine winning a half court shot for a million dollars? Like, whoa. Um, so also, I mean, looking back at, and again, I, I give Junie Theater the props for giving me the confidence and courage uh, to be able to get in front of thousands of fans. And this was back in the Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan days. Um, and even in college, I was cast as the lead in the odd couple. We did the female version of the odd couple. Mm -hmm. And um, and it wouldn't have been possible had it not been for my life experience at Jimmy Theater. And so I just want to, for those of you that are still listening, I know we're a little bit later in the podcast. <laughs> so hopefully you haven't, hopefully I haven't lost anybody, but um, I just want to encourage people to support um, junior theater um, because they are making a difference. I encourage you to support junior theater. Uh, junior theater is making a difference in young people's lives. It is shaping who they are. Um, and you know, I am forever indebted um, for the skill sets that I learned during that time. And, you know, what better memories from childhood growing up than, uh, you know, to get to say that, you know, I performed as Showtime Pal, like, mm -hmm. you know, during a time when people needed the laughs, you know, uh, performed on stage, you know, I've been everything from a, a queen bee to, uh, you know, Gosh, I'm trying to think of all the different uh, spruce tree, <laughs> you know. And then here I am in my current day job as executive director, and I have no problem hopping in the mascot costume if I need to. Now we have two mascots for the Batavia Park District. We have Chuck the Duck, which <laughs> is for our Quarry Beach, and we have Bruce the Spruce, which is the mascot for our entire park district. And it was probably because of junior theater that I would even think of having a mascot for our park district. Some <laughs> park districts don't even have mascots. <laughs> so but I really encourage people to um, to donate to, to junior theater if they can afford it, um, if they can do so, um, to keep the dream alive. There are a lot of kids out there like, like me that started off with lonely childhoods or kids that needed to have a creative outlet, and junior theater provides that for them. Keep the dream alive. Keep the dream alive. Well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful talking to you. Oh, Courtney, it's all you. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you. This has been the Junior Theater Podcast. Thank you for listening.